Let's ask Andrew Bailey. He is the Missouri Attorney General who was part of the lawsuit against the DOJ. So, Mr. Attorney General, we'll just get your response to the Department of Justice uh, appealing this ruling. Well, let freedom ring. What a great way to celebrate the founding of our nation, the 4th of July, with uh, this ruling to protect our First Amendment rights. And we're not going to stop fighting. We're going to keep pushing, and we'll take it all the way to the United States Supreme Court if we have to. Look, in a recent decision from Justice Neil Gorsuch on May 18th of 2023 in Arizona v. Mayorkas, he identified that this was likely going on, that there was likely censorship of voices, American voices, in violation of the First Amendment at the behest of the federal government on big tech social media corporations. And certainly that's what we've uncovered, and that's what the judge identified yesterday. He said we're likely to succeed on the merits based on 20,000 pages of records we've received from the federal government, numerous depositions, an amended complaint with more than 1,400 individual paragraphs with new allegations, facts, and law to support them up. And so we're not going to stop fighting to protect Americans' rights to free speech, regardless of what Biden and his henchmen at the Department of Justice say. I love that last part. I, regardless of what Biden and the Justice Department and his henchmen say, that's uh, Andrew Bailey, who is the attorney general for uh, Missouri. And actually, we have good news today. I, I know I know it's shocking, but we do have good news. This is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. I'm encouraged. Uh, the, a decision came down on July 4th we're going to be discussing today, plus the other implications of uh, the effect on the Biden administration on their their attempt to stop free speech. There are valiant fights that are having some success, and we're going to tell you about that uh, today. All right, so, but you know that uh, we, you can call us at 662-821-2040. Write that down because sometime you'll be listening and say, oh, I want to say something about that, or I have a, I have a question about that. 662-821-2040. It's our way of trying to do you know, live talk radio when we can't do live talk radio, but it really is a nice way when we can play your um, your phone messages and then respond to them. Or you can go to sandy at afr.net and uh, actually write an email. And before we um, take a little break and come back and start the show, I want to tell you that there will be a day when abortion will be abolished. There will be a day. That day's coming. I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime. Uh, And I'm not sure if we'll see it before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're going to see it. Uh, And um, because life is sacred, you know, God created life. When you think about, you know, if you ever made something, you know, spent a lot of time making something and have someone just come over and stomp on it or fold it up and throw it away or cut it with scissors, how is it that it makes you feel? I, I wonder... How do you think God feels when he designed and created and formed each of us in our mother's womb, our nose, our eyes, our hearts, our our organs, our little fingers, all of that, our personality, really, our proclivities, of our DNA, God busy designing all of that, and then a, an abortionist comes along and ends that life with scissors, with chemicals, uh, tearing it apart uh, like your art piece. It's God's artwork. We are his workmanship. We are his creation. I can imagine, can't you, that he's not happy. I wouldn't want to be in the, in the, in the place of abortionists, and I really think that women need to stop and think before they okay, because the abortionists don't come and force that on you. Uh, women have to consent to this before it happens, and that's why when preborn shows them a, a picture of their baby through ultrasound, Many of them say, oh, my goodness, I can't destroy 
that life. That's my baby. That's what they do. It's only $28 for one ultrasound. And if you would like to help us, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right. Well, sit back and can you know enjoy some good news for a change. You're going to learn something too, but really, I, I think you're going to enjoy hearing what we have to say today on this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness that we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. The implication, if you don't read past the headline on this story, is that the government was trying to influence social media companies in violation of the First Amendment, which sort of prevents government from stifling speech. That's not really the story. No, not at all. I think what's important to understand, Ali, and, and you know, people will have you believe that any contact between the government and social media companies is censorship. That's just not true. And in fact, most of the counter disinformation work that is being done, not only by the government, but by researchers outside of government, has nothing to do with censorship. It's about countering with more speech. It's about more speech, getting the facts out there. It's not about removing speech. And what has happened in this injunction, and, and if you go through the emails that are in that injunction, nothing that's in there is really about the removal, expressly removal of speech. It's the government flagging things that expressly go against the social media companies' terms of service and policies. And in most of the instances, in fact, more than 70% of the instances, uh, the government has taken note, or rather the social media companies have taken no action. All right. So, you know, there is not a problem with free speech. The government's doing nothing. And that was the reliable voice of, well, does anyone remember that very strange girl that President Biden chose to be in charge of the disinformation governance board that was going to be deciding, you know, whether these removals of information were proper? That was her. That was Nina Jankowicz. And she was on MSNBC. So she's claiming that there's nothing to this whole notion that government is censoring our speech, that it's coming from any kind of government agency. Uh, they're just flagging some things that are problematic, and actually they're looking for expansion of free speech, not a limitation of it. Well, we'd like to set the record straight today, and we're going to do that by talking to Dan Snyder. Dan is the VP of MRC, that's Media Research Center, Free Speech America. They have been uh, they have been for decades now following uh, media and the, the coverage and now have taken on this whole free speech issue in a new way. And they're doing an incredible job. They've done a deep dive on the Twitter files, and we're going to explain all of that with you. But first, let me uh, introduce Dan to you. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Sandy, it's always great to be with you. Thank you. Well, you know what I think what we should do first is let you respond I let, let you respond to Nina Jankowicz. There's, it has nothing to do, what they're doing has nothing to do with censorship. It's an expansion of speech, right? Well, uh, she contradicted herself five times 
in 30 seconds. It was really, it was stunning that, you know, how often she could actually accuse herself of providing misinformation. And, but the one thing that was consistent with each of her inconsistencies is that they were all wrong. Uh, the, and so, you know, she, you pointed out that she was supposed to be the minister of truth. She was supposed to oversee this disinformation governance board out of which agency? The Department of Homeland Security. And that's the department where we discovered through our, through our FOIA project that they are spending tens of millions of dollars through, you know, this is, uh, through a grant program that's supposed to stop, stop terrorism. But instead, they've listed the priorities as media literacy, and they're spending tens of billions of dollars to train students to silence conservatives, to infiltrate conservative organizations, to disrupt them, training teachers to teach students how not to listen to social media, conservative social media, to, to online social media, to uh, conservative broadcast. This is all about silencing conservatives, and she has the temerity to say it's not true. It's all yeah. true, and thank God the the U.S. House of Representatives Appropriations Committee has voted to defund those efforts at DHS and at the State Department. Yes, and I, I think, uh, and the acronym, in case people hear about this, this is CISA, C-I-S-A. That's the Organization in Homeland Security, Homeland Security. What a what a perversion of that name! Uh, this is the, the 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 brain trust, the one running all of this. But it's coming through. This order to censor ha- is coming through all the agencies. Is that is that or at least most of them? Is that right, Dan? You, you, the 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 judge has uh, identified several agencies and several individuals who evidence shows were were purposefully colluding with and coercing social media companies to silence conservatives. Those are his words, and it's a 155-page uh, decision where he ordered that the, that the Biden administration cease colluding with big tech to silence conservatives. Of course, on the left, they're claiming that this is an overreach, etc. The judge never has specifically not ordered uh, communications to cease when they're doing appropriate work of government. But he pointed out, and this is the most obvious statement that you can make, that what government cannot do on its own, it cannot coerce a third party to do instead. So the government cannot silence free speech. It cannot silence protected constitutional speech. So it can't demand that somebody else do that either. But that's exactly what what Christopher Wray at FBI and what so many others in the Biden administration have been doing. You know, this um let's let's t- since you mentioned the case, uh, let's talk about that just for a second. It's a little backwards, but then I want to go back to how this all started. Really, I think it started with the Twitter fights, but let's talk uh, on July the 4th there was an incredible decision made and it was it came out of Missouri. It was US District Judge Terry Dowdy of Louisiana. I said Missouri. Came out of Louisiana. Uh, but it was filed by Attorney General Andrew Bailey from uh, Missouri and Attorney General Jeff Landry from Louisiana. Okay, so here's the deal. The judge made, and it was all about free speech and government uh, stranglehold of, I think at first it was on uh, Russian disinformation and then it was uh, on the Hunter laptop and then it moved to COVID, anything you said wrong about COVID, and now it's moving to other things we're talking about, whether it's transgenderism or whatever. So it just keeps updating or, and creeping. Or, critis- or criticizing Joe Biden. 
Oh, is that I mean, being the, the censored too? The judge wrote in his opinion were lengthy and specific. Again, it's just comical to hear MSNBC and CNN say, "Oh, it's a very general, vague opinion." Like, no, it's very, very specific. Uh, example after example after example. Um, but just far, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's Stalinistic in how aggressive they were in silencing political opposition. Well, the thing, okay, I want to read just a few para- or a few sentences here from Judge Doherty, Doty, the because uh, I haven't had a chance to discuss this yet on the air. But he wrote, and this is again the a decision that came down the fourth of July. Evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian Ministry of Truth, and that would be a reference to 1984, George Orwell's 1984. And then he said, the federal government's censorship plot, the most massive attack on against free speech in the United States history, uh, he went on to say it was a conservative speech that was targeted almost exclusively. And then he said that the issue of violating the First Amendment right to free speech goes way beyond party lines. Americans have the right to engage in free debate. And that's just, that's just, we don't hear judges talking like that right now, Dan. We don't hear them talking like that. We don't, it's, um, so this was like a breath of fresh air. Would you not agree? It was an amazing and and well-documented and well-written decision. He obviously Judge Dowdy knows that this is going to go to the Supreme Court. This was a 155-page opinion on a on a preliminary injunction. I used to practice law, Sandy, and I I thought they're called preliminary remedies, you know, temporary restraining orders, uh, preliminary injunctions. Typically, a judge is writing a three-page opinion, a five-page opinion. This was a 155-page opinion, documenting the facts very clearly, very specifically, going through the law very carefully. The judge knows that the Biden administration will do everything it can, and the left will do everything it can to continue this massive surveillance state, this censorship industrial complex, because they are out to win, they are out to defeat us, they're out to upturn America. Yep. Yeah, well, well said. On, I agree completely. And remember, the case is called Missouri versus Biden. So the Biden administration uh, asked for a stay. Oh, please, you know, let us have longer to, you know, this can't be. Don't make us do this, please. Uh, and the judge uh-huh. just recently then said, no, there is no stay. So what is that? Do you know what that means for the next step, Dan, in terms of a timeline? Are they in the midst right. of appeal or what? What do you think? That's right. They, they, they had to make this request. And the, the Biden administration argued that there was not immediate harm that would warrant uh, th- this injunction. And the judge pointed out violating people's constitutional rights to speech is an immediate harm. Uh, and so, no, you know, my, my order stands. So now the Biden administration will appeal. And at the same time, the Biden administration will not comply with the law. The judge ordered it. They are required to comply with that order, but they are not. DOJ has been silent. Typically, when the government loses a case like this, uh, DOJ will instantly provide guidance to all the federal agencies how to comply with an order. DOJ has not provided that guidance to the federal agencies. They are instead planning on subverting the judge's order. They are going to continue censoring conservatives. That's why we have to fight back. 
You know, it's going to be interesting, Dan, to see how this plays out because in every there's a theme to all of my interviews these days is that there, there's lawlessness. It's a disregard for rules, regulations, for uh, the Constitution, for all of it. The Biden administration uh, and the most of the agencies uh, are ignoring all of that. But I wonder, I wonder... If the Supreme Court takes this on and makes a declaration, there will be, really be a stand down, really, or Cheryl, a, sta- um, a, st- a showdown between the three branches. If the Supreme Court decides that uh, this judge in Missouri is, or Louisiana is accurate about this and um, decides in favor of free speech and in favor of stopping the Biden administration, and I think at least one branch of Congress is on that team, but not both. And then you've got the the executive off the rails. You know, you just wonder, that's going to be a constitutional showdown, I think, don't you? You know, Sandy, the reason why this concern of yours uh, is valid and a real danger is because the left does not care about uh, cultural norms, the rule of law, or our Constitution. So where we would think, well, gee, is, is this fight worth it because it might damage the Constitution? And they don't think that way. They don't care if, if they are damaging the Constitution, because the Constitution, according to, to Barack Obama first, and then the practices of the Biden administration, the Constitution is just an impediment to the left for what they want to get done. And they, they don't like to comply with the Constitution. In fact, I, I, if you look at the Bill of Rights, all ten of the First Amendments, there's not a single one that the Biden administration and the left today is not actively uh, violating, yep. willfully no. and actively violating. No, I, I, it's absolutely true. I was just the Fourth Amendment came up in the last discussion I had because uh, we're talking about people's property and privacy. It's just there's no barriers. They're they're hell bent on destroying, and we've known that for a long time, Dan, because they said it in their words. They formed organizations. I remember being on radio in Chicago when they there was an organization formed for the very purpose of doing away with the Constitution. And at the time, it was all thought, you know, and kind of intellectual debate. But now we're seeing the fruition of that. Well, let's talk about where this all started, because I think, well, to my knowledge, all of this discovery of the cooperation of government uh, or the, in, the control or the urging of social media to censor citizens uh, was revealed when Elon Musk released those Twitter files, and you guys have been all over this. So I know that it's hard in a one interview, but first of all, tell us just in general what we found in general, <laughs> and then specifically what we found in those Twitter files to to affirm what it is that you and I both believe that the government did, was involved. Yeah, look, uh, let me just pat myself on the back at the Media <laughs> Research Center. For five years, we've been collecting the, the, the instances of censorship in big tech, uh, the, by big tech companies. And uh, we've got a thing called CensorTrack with thousands and thousands of documented cases of censorship. And those cases served as the basis for this lawsuit that the Attorney General know, of Louisiana oh, that's Missouri great. brought. I did not realize and, that. Uh, I didn't realize yeah. that. So, so the, the facts were, were, we provided the facts. And the judge relied on many of those facts in his decision as well. Uh, but you're right. It's Elon Musk who you know, bought Twitter for way more money than it was worth, and he knew that he was paying more than it was worth. He bought it because he wanted to save free speech. 
And so he bought it. He got his hands on all the internal secret documents at Twitter, and he started releasing these documents to a handful of reporters who then started analyzing all, the, all of these documents and then writing what we all know now as the Twitter files. What those reporters found were, were shocking. Entire units of, were created at Twitter specifically to coordinate with DOJ and other units of the Biden administration, including the Biden White House. Portals were created so that the Biden administration could instantly go into Twitter and demand uh, that conservative speech be taken down. Uh, and, and when Twitter did not work fast enough, the Biden administration would threaten Twitter. And by the way, it was other social media companies, too. Facebook, yes. Mark Zuckerberg has admitted to taking orders from FBI, but it's the Twitter files that have shown very specifically how Twitter and the Biden administration have been collaborating, colluding, conspiring to silence conservative speech. You know, let me just stop for a second and just interject a clip from Andrew, ba- Andrew Bailey, who's, the, again, the Attorney General for Missouri, because he did a really good job of laying out what they found uh, when they were coming to this uh, court decision. That's clip four, Adam. Let's listen. And like I said, we've only begun to scratch the surface. Certainly, we have an email chain from uh, March to May of 2021 between Rob Flaherty, the communications uh, digital director at the White House, with cronies and big tech social media corporations, where he's targeting any kind of skepticism about uh, masks or vaccines in in response to COVID. He's also specifically targeting a Tommy Lahren video, a Tucker Carlson video, demanding that they be taken down. And social media kind of pushes back and says, well, hold on a minute. This this goes beyond our terms of, of and users agreements. And And what the White House says is, we don't care. We want it down now. And the request comes from the very top. And he emphasizes very top levels of the White House, thereby implicating the president himself. And what we know is it's grown. Look, COVID was a Trojan horse that got the enemy behind the wall. But their censorship enterprise has expanded so quickly, they needed a new bureaucratic structure to manage it. And the court has identified that the likely nerve center of the censorship enterprise is housed in the Department of Homeland Security, just to funnel all the requests for censorship through one simple bureaucratic agency. So we know it's grown. We know it's expanded its scope beyond just COVID to include election integrity. And certainly we saw an unrepentant attitude from the Department of Justice when we were in court on this matter last month. And that certainly demonstrated in their notice of appeal. Dan, that's a great statement. I just made it. I just wanted to let people hear that clear telling of what's happening out of the White House. But on the Twitter files, uh, you know, we were told uh, during the uh, after the 2020 election or before leading up to it, so much discuss, discussion of Russia, 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 mm-hmm. and uh, that there were Russian, <clears throat> excuse me, Russian bots on Twitter, and they were they were the ones that were trying to get President Trump elected. And in the Twitter, when you got you guys guys have done a whole deep dive on the Twitter files, a twenty one page rec report is in my hand that uh, kind of started with that Russia gate. That's when this started. Would you say? Yeah, that's that's you know that's what like the prime example of how uh, the Biden administration, Hillary, well, started with Hillary Clinton, of course, creating this false narrative as a as a as an attack against Donald Trump, and uh, I'm sure your listeners know because you've got smart listeners and former listeners, but DOJ advised then President Barack Obama and then Pre- Vice President Joe Biden what Hillary Clinton was doing at the very highest levels of government, they knew that Hillary was creating this false story about, about Trump colluding with Russia 
And then it got all flipped, of course, because it was Hillary, including with, with Russia, to create a false narrative. And then it was the whole Hunt and Biden laptop story yep. where uh, – and we did a survey. You, I know you know this, Sandy, but MRC did a survey after the 2020 presidential election of Biden voters. Had they known of the Hunter Biden laptop story? Because only half of them had even heard of the Hunter Biden laptop story because big tech censored it. DOJ censored it. DHS censored it. But of the, of the Biden voters, 9.4% of them said that they would not have voted for Biden had they known of that Hunter Biden laptop story. That would have won the election for Donald Trump. But DOJ mounted a coup against the American public, against the Constitution, to kick Donald Trump out of office. Yes, there's no question about it. And, of course, uh, ironically, and we're, we're going to come back to more, but it just makes me remember uh, that as we're speaking, and then when people hear this, it'll be a bit later, but uh, Christopher Ray is going to be testifying before the Ju- Judiciary Committee led by Jim Jordan about this very stuff. Well, at least there'll be a lot of stuff, uh, but they're going to be uh, needing to answer to why they have uh, conducted their own campaign of censorship. What do we know for sure, about their uh, relationship with social media, the FBI's, Dan? Well, the FBI uh, had a special portal where they could go straight into social media companies and demand that accounts be taken down, that uh, that messages be shadow banned or eliminated. Uh, you know, there, there was uh, an FBI agent out of, out of San Francisco who, you know, took the lead on doing that sort of work. But it was going on at the highest levels at the FBI and at, at various levels below it. And, and members of Congress, primarily Democrats, they had access to this portal. Um, the Biden administration actively used it to silence conservative speech. It's really it's shocking. shocking. Yeah, I, I, yes, it is shocking. And I, but I'm, I'm going to rewind for a second because in my innocence, the first time I thought of the connection between Twitter and the Russian collusion, which I never believed because I read that dossier right up front, and I thought it was ridiculous on its face. I didn't need reporters or anyone to tell me that that was foolish. It was like a tabloid, embarrassing tabloid story uh, that didn't have any connection with reality. But uh, they started talking about all these Russian bots. And I guess uh, the thing that I am reading um, is that they're, I don't even know they found evidence of Russian bots. I think they actually tasked Twitter to find those, and they didn't come up with anything. Now, is that, to your knowledge, is that true? So I think Russia spent $80,000 on, uh, on bots. Half of that money was actually spent after the election. So it was virtually nothing, virtually nothing. Uh, that Russia did you know, through social media to try to to influence the outcome of our election. It was not Russia that subverted our elections. It was state secretaries of state and governors who broke the law. It was Hillary Clinton it, you know, in 2016. Uh, it was Joe Biden in 2020, colluding with big tech companies. It was big tech against America. Yeah, it's just it's a shocking story. But now let's uh, re- where we are now. Then it seems you guys have done a deep dive on the Twitter files. By the way, let me uh, let me suggest you go to new, uh, should they go to Newsbusters or where should they, where's the best uh, uh, address to give them to to find this stuff? The so 
the Media Research Center has newsbusters.org. That, that's uh, our, our main sort of media outlet that we use. Uh, it, it's internal to MRC. Newsbusters.org. And uh, Gabriella Pariso wrote the piece, so you can look for her piece. It's, it's, it's a, as you indicated, a 20-plus page uh, ex- explanation of the Twitter files. It's a great resource document. You know, it's not, it's not pleasure reading. But it goes uh, string by string. So you can actually look at the headlines in each string to see, okay, do you, do you want to learn about Hunter Biden? You can go there. Or you can read the whole thing. If you want to prep yourself for this Christopher Ray hearing, you can read that overview of the Twitter files. Uh, and uh, Gabriella did an amazing job with it. It's, yes. it's very informative and, well, we'll, and excellent. We'll, we'll post that. We will post that particular article. But in general, uh, Media Research Center does such Great work. Been working with them for, you know, a long, long time. And so newsbusters.org, if you want to read anything that they have as informative, they just do great work covering this. But we're not done talking here, not for a second. So we've now got, uh, we've got this court decision and the refusal, refusal to give the Biden administration a stay. So it is in force, even though we don't think that the Biden administration or the Justice Department uh, will listen. Christopher Ray is uh, going up in front of the Judiciary Committee to answer hard questions about that. Uh, we have uh, Elon Musk uh, still manning Twitter, and that brings me to this. Uh, Dan, there's you know there's been interest. I don't really know what the truth is here. Is Twitter still? I think it is because I post there a free uh, platform, or are there still some censorship? Still some censorship things going on there? Yeah, there, there's still censorship there. Um, and we've documented the censorship that exists. We've informed Elon Musk of what we have found. And what it became so crystal clear is that there is an internal revolt at Twitter. They don't like following their new boss's guidance. And so there were employees who were disregarding his instructions. We actually saw a spike in censorship um, on transgender issues, a massive increase uh, in censorship at Twitter, on any transgender matter. And when Elon Musk was made aware of this, he said, no more. We are going to uh, allow people to express their opinions about this. And so, you know, instantly, uh, three of his top people who are supposed to oversee, you know, the safety Twitter quit because they were the ones leading the revolt. And, and Elon Musk said, no more. So there, there's still some censorship that goes on, but it's far, far less than it was before. Every time Elon Musk is made aware of it, he has taken action. You know, it's it. He he. You know, I, I, we at the Media Research Center, we did not immediately assume that he was going to be a great success at this, but we're very pleased at what he's been able to accomplish. Well, it's just amazing. I am too. I mean, I think if the history books ever tell the truth, he'll have a part in in the, the turn of the tide. I, I think if we can turn this tide, he'll certainly be one of the generals in the battle. But I understand, and this may be relevant or not, Dan, but I heard this week that there's a new, uh, some of the rebels have started a counter to Twitter. And the, this is, again, I can't verify this, but I heard that it's very successful. They have already, you know, I don't know, I want to say millions of people signing up for this thing, I think, called Thread. What do you know about that? Yeah, Thread is Facebook's alternative, and Facebook has been very clear. They want this to be a happy place, which means they're going to be censoring a lot of things they don't agree with. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Well, listen, Dan, listen, we appreciate your time so much. It's been great to talk to you. And thanks for all the work that you do personally and that Media Research Center does uh, to maintain free speech in this country. I just can't say enough. So thank you. Thank you, Sandy. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Well, the First Amendment is all about preserving an uninhibited marketplace of ideas where people can come to consensus based on free, fair, and open debate. This country has always rejected government censorship in in favor of counter-speech, not censorship. And so that's what this fight's all about. That's what the uh, freedom of speech is all about. And I think that it's not only illegal, it's also counterproductive. Anytime the government starts censoring speech, people become skeptical of what is and isn't true, and they start questioning the legitimacy of the, the government. And so it's actually counterproductive as well as illegal. And so... That's what we're fighting for here, and we're, not, we're never going to stop defending Americans and, and Missourians' constitutional rights. All right, that's the voice again of Andrew Bailey, the Attorney General of Missouri. Uh, you know, that opinion that the judge wrote on the 4th of July is just amazing because he talks about the history of free speech. About, and let me repeat to you that the reason our founding fathers paid the price they did, and they did pay a great price and hundreds of thousands of people died so that we could be free. And part of our freedom is the freedom of speech. One of the things that happens when you live in a, a monarchy where there's a, a strong king uh, who wants to rule with an iron hand or a dictator or a communist regime is that you lose your right to express what you think, to express what you believe to express an altering opinion, to criticize your government. In fact, that was one of the reasons, direct reasons, that the founders wrote in the Declaration of Independence uh, that they couldn't, uh, we, they couldn't criticize King George, and now they were full throat uh, in rebellion against that and saying he is a despot, he is uh, ruining, you know, he's ruining our our lives here. He's uh, behaving in draconian matters. He's snatching our guys for service. Without permission, he's quartering uh, British soldiers in our homes to spy on us without our permission. Uh, he's taxing us without us having to say anything about what those taxes are going for, or even giving permission and consent, the consent of the government. Uh, this is uh, free speech. This was what they felt was necessary, that free people, free by the hand of God, people are free. It's inherent. It's from their creator, not from some king, not from some a despot, not from some dictator, not from some communist government. Uh, We don't get our rights from a government. We get our rights from God. And rights, I know that whole word has been perverted because people think, I have a right to, you know, I have a right to do this. And it's, I think, gotten very uh, selfish and self-centered in many, many cases. They're talking about inherent rights, the right to life. You have a right to live. You don't have a right to, you don't have, you shouldn't have to worry when you step out of your house that you might be killed or attacked. You have a right to life, to liberty, to go where you want, to go on vacation with your kids, to move where you want, to take what job you want, um, and happiness. And happiness comes from that freedom. Of course, not totally. That's a, but they knew that that's part of it. You need to be a free man. And people everywhere, uh, there, there were even pop songs about it from the 60s, uh, all the world, world over. Uh, people uh, can see. Uh, people everywhere just want to be free. That's an old pop song. People everywhere just want to be free. So this is in the DNA of the United States of America. We don't settle 
for people who try to tell us that we can and cannot say and cannot cannot go, that our private our property's not our own, that someone else owns it can take it. Uh, we don't. We have never lived that way. We have generations. Now, some people have come to this country from other countries where they are accustomed to being controlled, but we are not. Um, you know, many of us. I this is not. I just found this out, but I am proud of it. My I trace my history in this country back to the to uh, the founding fathers, back to the actually to the Mayflower. We're my sister just discovered we're daughters of the Revolution. That doesn't matter. But I just want you to know that in my DNA are. Uh, people who fought, uh, my own father fought in World War II. There are so many of us like that, and I will not apologize for that. We, they fought for a purpose. They fought to hand us a free a country, and that's what I'm doing for my children and grandchildren, and I know that's the truth for all of you as well. Well, uh, FBI Director Ray is uh, scheduled to testify. By the time you hear this, he will have testified. Uh, they have, you know, his his script ahead of time. You know how that goes. Who knows why they do that, but they do it. So press can print it. He's going to be defending the the great work of the FBI, but he's not going to be wanting to answer these questions. They, there are some whistleblowers actually reportedly saying that the FBI is already ignoring uh, the, the free speech ruling that that judge made. Uh, so uh, it'll be an interesting conversation uh, and back and forth between Jim Jordan and FBI Director Ray and the other members of that committee who are not happy with what the FBI is doing, uh, the things that they, the you know the the uh, surveillance uh, and arrests and harassment of uh, common citizens, whether it's people who went to the Capitol on January the sixth, or it's parents at school board meetings, or it's Catholic pro-lifers. This is disgusting, and most of us feel like it's disgusting. He has a lot to answer for. And that will be interesting uh, to observe, and we will talk about it later. I want to say that if you have a comment or a question, you can call us at 662-821-2040, 662-821-2040. You can write us an email at sandy at net, sandy at net. And if you, uh, I think the best way right now to listen to the show and also to get information is to go to sandyrios.com. We've tried to make it very easy for you because some people are having some problems with some uh, phone issues and other things. And so you go to sandyrios.com, you can find the show easily. It's easy to share with your friends if uh, if um, they express an interest in listening or if you want them to listen. That's a really good way of doing it. Plus, it has lots of information, I think. I think, I hope that you will enjoy. It's a privilege and a pleasure to have you as our listener. So I hope you enjoyed this day's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.